I'm Matt Weston tonight. I'm joined by diehard Chris to talk about the newest Deshaun Watson gossip girl rumors, uh, the Texans head coaching search, and what, what in the world is going on exactly. How are you doing tonight? I mean, I'm calm, relatively. That's good. I'm glad we can hear that Ice Cube's moving already. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not trying to hide anything tonight, no. <laughs> so the last time we talked about the Houston Texans specifically – was whenever I spoke to Rivers and Tim, we did like you know a three-hour Super Nick Casario podcast that uh, was like one part podcast, one part just dudes hanging out talking about the Houston Texans. And since then, it's mainly been more rumors where we've heard that the bridge has been torched. There's no coming back now. Deshaun Watson was preparing to ask for a trade. He's going to ask for a trade. He still hasn't asked for a trade. Um, the Texans were reportedly scavenging around to see what they could possibly get for him. Said that yesterday. When it was reported that Deshaun Watson was along in the interviews with Eric Bieniemy, and that the only thing left to settle up was how much roster control Bieniemy could have, and then today Lanzer line just left a, a dirty Sanchez all over those rumors and <laughs> said that Deshaun Watson's going to ask for a trade soon. He doesn't want to be here, and he, unless Cal McNair steps down, he's not going to play football for the Houston Texans. Um, so diehard Chris, do you buy any of these rumors so far? Like, do you have any sort of like foothold in reality? What's going on here? I mean, I don't think anyone really knows because, and this is no disrespect at all to uh, former um, Bow Red blog writer Texans Thoughts. I think right, he used to be with us. Yeah, he, and, he's, been uh, a, he's been a few yeah, he's here. been a, a few months here. Yeah, no disrespect to him or um, you know the guy that started up Texas Unfiltered, but. They're not exactly established with sources. I'm not saying that they're lying. I don't think they're lying at all. I just think they got information that probably wasn't very good. There's a reason why we didn't hear anything about the interview yesterday from, you know, any NFL sources nationally or locally. I wouldn't expect to hear from locally because, you know, a lot of times John McClain is, you know, first and a lot of times he's last. So um, I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty clear that, Deshaun's upset. I mean, we're we're beyond that. That's that's obvious by now. Because if he's not upset, then he's a jerk. <laughs> you know, I mean, if he's if if he's letting all this burn and not setting the record straight when things are being misunderstood, then I just kind of feel like he's doing you know the fans a disservice. And I'm I'm not like you know upset with him necessarily. Um, we can get into that a little bit more, but I mean, I, I don't know what to believe right now. You hear one thing, you hear another. As far as Lance goes, obviously he's been in the market twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. He's had sources before that have come true. I, I, I certainly don't have a, you know, Lance Zerline source tracker, but I know that that guy has integrity and that he has reported stuff accurately in the past. And I also know that he wouldn't put it out there unless he actually believed it. So I have no doubt that whatever Lance put out there is something that he heard and that he believed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's something that he made up. Uh, it's just that doesn't necessarily make it make it that make that's accurate though so yeah and the way he went about it was kind of interesting too like he didn't have like a tweet thread 
he was just replying to your things that were asked him as well. Yeah. And so like, he, it kind of seemed like he, he was like, cautiously well, putting it out there. Yeah. He didn't fully put his name behind it, but he was like saying this sort of stuff and like everything that Jordan and Texans and filter reported, um, on there. And like, I mean, who knows? Like they may be right. Lance may be wrong. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows at all. Uh, you know, my sources in the league, you know, I was told about Arthur Smith going to Atlanta. He went to Atlanta. I was told about Deshaun Watson hiring, uh, signing his extension last summer when he did. I was right about that. I was right about mm-hmm. Jadavion Clank going to the Titans. Like, my sources were right on those situations. And, like, my sources don't have any news for me about Deshaun Watson. And, unfortunately, I know about Arthur Smith going to the Atlanta Falcons, but uh, I don't know about wh- what's going on with this, exactly Deshaun Watson. And really all I can say is just kind of speculate on the same things that we're kind of being told right now. And just like add our own perspective to it, but yeah, I mean, I really have no idea what what's true, what yeah. isn't. And, but the whole and, thing and, is just weird. It's weird, and the other thing is, I think people need to allow for the fact that you know these things could be changing on a daily basis. We we don't know what's going on with Sean. He's gotten sort of weirdly cryptic with some of his. Well, he's kind of always been that way with his tweets, which again, I think we're going to get into a little bit later. But you know. It, you can sit and you can read into them or you cannot read into them. I mean, it's the way that he's choosing to communicate. So I don't really get the criticism of people reading into it when there's clearly something going on around him. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of other players. I think Justin Reed even chimed in today, basically saying, Oh, this man can't say anything without y'all making it a story. Well, he's, he's not looking at it from a fan perspective. You know, he's looking at it yeah. from a player perspective. Of course we're going to speculate because there's clearly something going on and he's not saying anything. So what else are we supposed to do? Yeah, and Charles James said the same thing. It's like, this man came and sneeze without y'all saying something. like, yeah, this is sad. It's like, this is his fault entirely. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he brought this upon himself with, like, everything that's occurred. And um, and this, like, and he's done nothing to squash any rumors at all. He hasn't done anything at all to clarify anything. And it's like, everything that's going on with Deshaun Watson, like, on the internet, like, it's it's been completely created by his own, you know, regard. So there's really kind of, like, two questions here that this kind of boils down to. Um, one, do you think Watson asked for a trade? And then two, which is a question from our good friend Greg from Down Under at the Outback Steakhouse in Australia. And he asked, has Watson played his last game in Houston? So, Chris, do you think Watson asked for a trade? And do you think Watson's played his last game in Houston? Okay, so this is really the time that this needs to be worked out, right? Because everyone keeps saying, oh, there's a long time until September, you know, until training camp or until, until preseason or whatever. Yeah, that's all true. But... If you want to nail this head coaching hire, you better damn well have it known and locked in that Deshaun Watson's on board. So I kind of feel like right now we can tell Deshaun's intentions by what happens with the coaching hire, or maybe we can't. I mean, I don't, I don't think Eric Bieniemy would take the job unless Deshaun uh, was on board. But at the same time, Bieniemy's been passed over so many times, and apparently he's been passed over completely this cycle. So mm-hmm. maybe he takes the job just to get the job, you know, because it may not be the only, it may be the only chance he has. Rather than sticking at, you know, it's still it wouldn't be a bad place to be the OC for for Kansas City for another season. But I mean, after missing almost completely two head coaching cycles, he might take it either way. But if they end up hiring like you know Leslie Frazier or Jim Caldwell, like I, I don't know, maybe Deshaun would be in favor of those guys. But yeah, exactly. And now, and now <laughs> I know that making a splash in the offseason is not what wins games, but when you have the Jacksonville Jaguars hiring Urban Meyer, having all that cap space, and having the number one overall to pick, which you're obviously going to use on Trevor Lawrence, and your response in division is to hire Jim Caldwell, mm-hmm. I mean, this is why I'm drinking right now. So <laughs> back, back to the original question, though. I, I feel like Deshaun right now, 
is uncomfortable using the leverage that he clearly appears to be using. And I think he's smart enough to know, and he's got enough smart people around him to, you know, he's got some people saying you need to stand your ground, but he's also going to have some smart business people on his side saying, you know, look, if we wait this out a little bit, we might be able to get what we want in, in, in the way of, you know, staying with the team, you know, the coach you want, maybe get Jack used to be out of there. I, that's all speculation. We really don't know exactly what it is that he wants. Um, my gut feeling, which is really weird for me because I'm a very cynical person. My gut feeling is that this will somehow get sloppily fixed enough for him to stay with the team. Um, but my big fear is Cal McNair. I'm sorry. His, proving to be quite a dunce. And even if they're able to somehow get past this Jack Easterby thing, it's just going to be on to the next stupid thing that he does. I mean, the amount of dumb, bad decisions he's made since his dad died is unbelievable to me. It's not, it hasn't been that long and the, the, the franchise has gone off a cliff. Yeah. So I just feel like even if nothing comes of this, there'll be something else. And, and I feel like Deshaun right now is stuck between being the good patient understanding guy who doesn't want to quit on a team versus literally seeing in front of him, Andre Johnson, whose career was wasted here and playing with a guy, JJ Watt, whose career has been wasted mm -hmm. here and thinking, you know what? Maybe if I am a little bit of a dick, I can get myself in a position to actually win championships. And I mean, right now I would say probably a good 90% of the fans wouldn't blame him one bit. Yeah. I think one of the things I've learned is like, if you want to win a championship, don't play football for the Houston Texans. And that's like the first rule, if that's what your goal is in your career. But, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, like Watson, like obviously being top five quarterback, he's kind of like the son of the entirety of the franchise. And, you know, as of right now, I can't really imagine a world where Houston trades this Sean Watson. Uh, but like I could imagine a world where DeAndre Hopkins was traded or where Jadavion uh, Clowney was traded or where Larry Mitensel was traded for two first round picks and a second round pick. Like I can yeah. imagine those worlds either at the same time. And so, like, to every rumor, there's some kernel of truth to it. And this is a lot more than, like, a rumor. Like, this is, like, an entire tornado um, going on. And so, like, Yeah, you, your hope is that the difference is Casario, and he is smart enough and shrewd enough to know that that's just a not, not an asset that you let go of, no matter how tied he is to Jack Easterby. Yeah. That's the hope. That is the hope. And so, like, I don't, I don't think he gets traded. I don't think he's played his last game in Houston. But it's not impossible, though. And that's kind of like, and that's kind of like the weird thing about this. Like, there should not be a world where there's any sort of like questions of like how long Watson's going to be in here in Houston. Yeah. And now we're in this world. Like, what's kind of funny yeah. too is we had concerns two years ago that the offensive line was going to ruin Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And now the concern is that Deshaun Watson's going to ruin the Houston Texans, and it, it's completely the, flipped. Right. Exactly. It, it's the most coveted asset that you could have in the NFL. It's not the number one overall pick. It's not a great coach. It's not a great GM. The number one most coveted asset in the NFL is to have a young franchise quarterback. And he's not just – when you say franchise quarterback, I think people kind of think of like you know the top five to seven, maybe ten quarterbacks in the league. Deshaun legit has claimed to being the second best quarterback in the league right now. And, and he seems to be getting better. Like, I don't think it's crazy yeah. that with the right people around him, he could become the best quarterback in football. And they're about to throw that in the trash. See, the thing that worries me is all this talk about like other people wanting to come here, this and that. Yeah, low-level and mid-level players, it doesn't matter to them. They're going to want to get their money. They want to get to play somewhere. It, it just doesn't. It just flat doesn't matter to them. But anyone who wants to be great, who wants to win a championship, is going to look at Houston and say they took, they lost Deshaun Watson, 
who's like the most affable, understanding, patient guy, and they somehow screwed that up, why the hell would I, would I come to this franchise if I had any other cha- choice? Mm-hmm. Which top-level players always will have other choices. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, there, so like with that, with that being said, like for trade packages for Watson, no. you know, I think the only package for me personally that makes any sense at all is same to Jacksonville for number one overall, the Ramsey pick, and then maybe try and get the bad Josh Allen, and then try and maybe get like you know young player or two or some other draft picks from there. And like I don't really have any concerns at all. This idea is like, well, you can't train within division. You can't train within the same conference. You can't you know, deal with having to see him twice a year. Like you just have to get the best package you can. And so yeah. like, having the chance to get that Andrew Luxor prospect, and also getting a guy who's like you're going to pay you know four million dollars max a season for the next four years, um, and having like a French a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract, which is like the cheat code team building that the Texans failed so badly during yep. the Sean Watson's time. Like this should be a Super Bowl team, but Bill O'Brien botched that entire thing. Um, with the decisions of the offense they created for him. But like, that's the only package that makes sense. Like, I wouldn't train for Justin Fields. I wouldn't train for Sam Darnold in the second round Ugh. number two overall pick. Give um, me a break. And you, Tua. Can, you, can get, and you can get the you can get the Adams pick from the Jets. You can get Tua and you get the the other their other first round pick. You can get your own first round pick back for and Tua and then their other first round picks. You can get kind of three firsts if you train Miami too. Like even that, like I wouldn't make that deal at all. Jacksonville's the only one that um, that seems like any, like even, even any little bit of intriguing to me, which is kind of like absolutely not at all whatsoever, you know? Yeah. And if I'm Jacksonville, like now hear me out before, before, you know, I'm I say that to both you and to anyone listening, hear me out before you think this is crazy. Does Jacksonville do that deal? Because I don't know that you're going to get enough coming back in addition to the number one overall pick to make it worth your while because Deshaun remember is not on his rookie deal anymore. Yeah. So the Jags are giving up who could be, you know, a Peyton Manning style generational, obvious, you know, immediate impact number one quarterback on a rookie contract for a guy who, yeah, is already great. We know this and he's a known commodity, but he's already on his second deal. So the the compensation coming back to the Texans, I don't think would be as good as it would be if you went somewhere else. So I, I don't I don't know how excited the Jaguars would be to do that deal. Yeah, I, well, I, and that's a good point too. Like, I don't know what the, if they would even want to make that trade or not, which is weird to say. But like, yeah, you bring up a great point. It's like, do I want to pay Trevor, who I think is going to be here from the beginning, who he can mold and teach like within our setting, get the fans behind him completely, has no sort of disgruntlement with you know ownership at all whatsoever at the moment, um, and it seems like he fits Jacksonville pretty well, you know, too at the same time. Um, or do I want to take on somebody who is a top five quarterback but has a more expensive contract and has these issues along with them? I mean, if I'm Jacksonville, I'd make that trade, but I could see why yeah. they may have some sort of apprehension. If I'm the Jets, I'd make that trade. If I'm the Dolphins, I'd make that trade. If I'm any team in the league, just about make that trade. Yeah. Um, but the, I could see the where Jackson, Jacksonville has some apprehension. The Jags are the only one I, I would think might have any, 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 any um, apprehension about it. And also, of course, we should throw out just for anyone who may not be fully informed on the situation – um, and is just sort of getting dragged into this now. Um, Deshaun has no trade clause, so he yeah. has to go somewhere where he wants to go. And I, you know, maybe for him, <laughs> this is his full heel turn. He'd love to just beat the hell out of the Texans twice a year. But man, if I'm Deshaun Watson and I'm young and I'm good looking and I'm a good dude, and I'm not going to go from Houston <laughs> to Jacksonville. I, I'm 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 going to be going up. I'm not going to be going down. I'm not going to Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah, it kind of depends on how many games you want to win, too. Like, they're set up for the future, but there's so many unknowns. Jackson, like you mentioned, they're going to have $100-plus million in cap space next year. 
They have the Jalen Ramsey pick, which is going to be like 22nd overall, and they have first overall. And then also like that means they have the 33rd overall pick, and they'll also probably get some um, comp picks as well too. And like, they have good young talent. Like it was, I, I still can't believe Jackson won 15 this year. Like, they really they really tanked as good as you can uh, by playing <laughs> Jake did. Luton and Mike Glennon and like <laughs> – you have Gardner Minshew screaming the player like, "No, we're not playing you, playing you at all. You may actually yeah. win a football game if we play you." This they year. did it the right way, unlike the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the so with the Watson situation, like I don't. This is not just Watson. This is not just the Houston Texans' fault right now. Like Deshaun Watson had has some blame in the current situation going on with the Houston Texans business operation. Like what I can't get over about it is that he signed an extension last year with the same organizational structure with Bill O'Brien as the general manager, with Jack Easterby as his, as his right-hand man, with Cal McNair running the football team and being the owner of it. And he didn't have any problems at all with that when he was signing a four-year, $156 million extension that made him a Houston Texan until 2025 and got his no-trade clause as well too. And, uh, and one year later, like all of that has changed. And it's like, Chris, do you think this is as simple as the team's 4-12 and 12 and his eyes have been illuminated to the problems that are here? Or is he just like, well, I may get hurt, so I need to get paid now, and then if things still are kind of you know, weird the year after, I can try to get out of it from there? I mean, I, I, look, I, all I know about Deshaun is that up until this point, and I, I don't want to say up until this point, but he, he, he's been a good citizen. He's played along. You know, everything's been good with him. And... This is all happening now. Now, I'm not saying that he's not being a good citizen now. I mean, this is just this is just about business right now. But there's legitimately things that have happened in a very short amount of time that I could see him looking like, man, they keep making bad decision after bad decision. And honestly, you don't turn down um, money like 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 he got for his for his contract. Yeah. I, I just I just don't think you do. Um, and I, I, I can't blame him at all for doing that. And, and honestly, like when you, when you say that Watson is partially at fault for this, like I, I, I agree with you that some of the stuff that's happening now could be handled better by Watson, but as far as putting blame on him, I don't know about that. Like, I, I think, I think, you know, he's been the good soldier and sure. He maybe could have leveraged some of his, um, power in the, in the, in the organization sooner, but I feel like if I'm in his shoes, like, why do I need to do that? Like, I think he did that long enough. And now it's just come to a point where he's like, wow, damn, my whole career could pass before my eyes and I could be done with this, you know, garbage franchise. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah. that's how it's shaped up. And, I, and I, I do feel like he could have just had a realization in that time. And a lot of stuff has happened in a short amount of time. And I realized that he signed his extension, you know, after the clowny trade, um, and and all that, like he he, there's there's a lot of stuff that's happened since then, that I think he could legitimately look at and say, "Ooh, I don't like the way this is going," you know. Who who knew how much you know Jack used to be would rise, and who knows like how many things that happened behind the scenes with all these stories about you know if we're going to talk a little bit about Jack used to be mm-hmm. all these stories about how he's risen to power, you know that might have been sort of in the early stages early on, and then you know, before he signed his extension and maybe it's, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as it was. And then it just got worse over like he, he could have seen this rise to power happen maybe after he signed his extension, you know, he, he could have seen how undisciplined the team was. He could have seen this, this whole story about Easterby, like getting in front of the team and giving what he thought was a <laughs> rousing emotional speech that everyone else that just basically left everyone looking at each other. 
And, you know, it, it I, I think that could have had a big effect on him. Yeah, I'm well, so like me saying that, it's mainly just based off like the information that's been brought to me. And just like from a football perspective, you know, like the team trade Jadavion Clowney, they trade what they did for Laramie Tunsil, they trade DeAndre Hopkins. Um, after the playoff loss to Kansas City last year, you know, whenever you had Bill O'Brien kicking a field goal on fourth and four instead of going for in a situation where he didn't even have a play call in that situation and then run that fake punt, you know, on fourth and six in your own territory later on that game. Um, and like just being getting completely wiped out to bring up 24-0 in like a once-in-a-lifetime situation against mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs. Like all of these things happen, you know, like they all happen. And then he signed his extension. And during this entire time, all this was occurring, he never said anything once. All the signs were there that things were dysfunctional, that they had no idea what they were doing, didn't do anything at all, didn't say anything at all. Um, even after the AFC Divisional game last year, he said, like, I love that man in referencing Bill O'Brien. I'll do anything I can for that man. I'll play yeah. as hard as I possibly can for that man. Bill O'Brien wasn't a good offensive coach. And, like, even going back to, like, the NFL, like, film uh, interview they did with Deshaun Watson kind of, like, breaking out some of the plays, he was like, yeah, first and 10, we get three yards to Carlos Hyde. We're ahead. The sticks are ready to go. He's like, well, you're not. That's a failed play. <laughs> three yards and first down, you're behind the sticks, and that's a failed yeah. play. And you're now your offense is stuck, and you're, you're playing behind at that point. And it's, like, all these sort of things. Like, I don't know how much of it was just, like, him not getting the right information or him – or just like I've never played in the NFL. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what how you're able to like work work in that environment and then see the decisions management's making. Like this doesn't make any sense all whatsoever. But like all this stuff happened before he signed his extension, and now that he signed his extension, they go four and twelve. Now this isn't the team for him, and that's what I don't understand. Like he had multiple chances to get his foot in the door to make his voice heard whenever things were already screwed up. And this Watson drama is just a continuation from the Clowney trade, from the Tunsil mm-hmm. trade, from the Hopkins trade. Um, and all of that's just a continuation from it, and he failed to do so. And so I don't really understand what the difference is between last year and this year, aside from the teams 4-12, and 12, and then they fired Bill O'Brien. There's a big power vacuum that Jack Easterby filled, who's now stepping down for Casario. And so I don't know what, what the biggest difference is in a year, aside from the record, you know? Well, I mean... I think I think it might come down to this whole issue about his input on the future of the team. Now, we can only react to what we've heard. We don't we don't know the nuance and the context of all these things. So what what we what we understand from the media is he was told he was going to have some input on the search for both mm-hmm. the coach. And I, I don't remember seeing that about the GM, but apparently he also was told he would have some input on the on the direction of the GM. And he was very clear at the end of the season about needing a culture change. The guy who is clearly in charge of the culture in that, in that franchise is Jack Easterby. There's yeah. no question about that. And so not only do they not get rid of Jack Easterby, but they bring in yet another New England guy. Now, I'm just, I'm just speculating about how this hit Deshaun. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you and I both – Maybe like I, 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 Casario wasn't, I wasn't overjoyed that it was Casario, but I think, you know, in, in and of itself, it's not a bad hire. It's just everything around it that has kind of made this a disaster. Yeah, the optics are ridiculous of it. The optics, right. So I, I think Deshaun looks at it like not only is Easterby still here, but now we have another guy coming from New England who not only is a guy who's from New England, but who is a guy who's boys with Easterby. So I feel like he actually did do what you talked about and came out and actually was vocal and said, we need a culture change. You know, 
who who says that Deshaun should have to come out and say we need to fire Jack Easterby? I don't I don't think he should have to say that. Mm-hmm. I think the people in charge should be smart enough to figure that crap out on themselves on their own. And you had a guy and Bob McNair who, you know, he made some big missteps in public, and he wasn't <laughs> the most popular owner for some of the stuff that he said. But I guarantee you that stuff like this would not have happened under Bob. Yeah. <laughs> not, not being usurped by somebody. Bob was way too shrewd. But, you know, Cal is apparently the epitome of the billionaire's kid who never had to work for a dollar and never had to bust his tail and build something like his dad did. You know, I don't, I don't think Bob was born into money. I could be wrong, but I, I didn't think that Bob McNair was born into money. So he had to work for what he, for what he had, whereas Cal grew up in it. Mm-hmm. So what do you get? You get a guy who's easily influenced and, you know, a, a guy who's been Jedi mind tricked by a guy who, who like, let's just be frank. It's, it's creepy. Like I think there's this <laughs> sort of hesitancy in the media to address the religious aspect of this because, you know, you don't want to come out and bash religion, you know, and be real public about it. And I get that, but you know, I, I'm just here to, to give you my opinion. That's what we're doing here. Right. And I'm not, I'm not here to bash anyone's religion, but man, there's, there's a, there's a bridge too far with some of the, I will say, you know, evangelical fanaticism that I see in some of the videos that have been posted of Jack Easterby and to, to the point where it's creepy and these stories about him going around the building and asking employees if he can pray for them. Like, what are you going to say to the guy? No, he's your boss. You know, that, that, that to me doesn't, it, it, it creates a hostile work environment mm-hmm. for people who aren't into that, but it also just creates a very uncomfortable work environment. Yeah. And, and to see the owner feed into that, this whole idea about how Cal and Jack are like, walking around laying hands and getting in prayer circles like just this the houston texans are not a church they're a football team they don't (laughs) exist to serve to serve the community it's great when that's a bonus that they serve the community but they're in the football business not the jesus business we got plenty of that in houston already yeah there was a a comment we had that you know I had some tweet, and then one of the responses was that, "Well, you have a football team, you have a mega church, and they are, they are, they pretty much are." Um, with the aspect of it that you're mentioning as well, too. But I guess, like my point with the Watson, him being partly to blame, is that it kind of goes back to you know, like whenever the client trade made, like how the entire fan base just talked themselves into Jacob Martin at third round pick and said, "Clowney's not that good." Like Clowney was great in Seattle that year; he was bad in Tennessee this year. He was skinny and out of shape. And he had zero sacks, and then his his knees hurt, and you know maybe he yeah. wouldn't be the best guy assigned to a long term contract, or whatever. But that being said, like you can still franchise tag him. You still yeah, lost. Yeah, that like, wasn't the point. Key. The point yeah. was he had value, and they ruined that. It wasn't about how good he was going forward. It's about the fact that they ruined their chance to get great value for him. For sure, because they trade him too late. And then the other thing about that too is like if you're a Super Bowl team, which you're supposed to be with Watson year three and him being an incredible player. Why trade a defensive like centerpiece that can help you beat Kansas City when you're up twenty four zero? in a division round game and you trade that for, you know, a cornerback who kind of chased with his back turn and they and I was second year they even upgraded the year before and a pass rusher who had, you know, some splash plays or whatever but can't play on the field at all because he can't stop the run and uh, ends up dropping into short hook zones all this year in Anthony Weaver's defense too. And then like how the Hopkins trade gets turned to, well now we have a, or the Tunsil trade happens and well left tackles are very important. They're not worth two first round picks and a second round pick, no matter how good a right. protector you are. Ha- having a having a good to really good left tackle is important. 
having the best left tackle is not necessarily as important. And and even then, like you can get around that. Like the Chiefs have a very have probably the most average left tackle you can have in Eric Fisher. I mean, like you like he gets beat by bull rushes all the time. He's very average. He gets he call he gets called for holding penalties. He's not a great run blocker at all. But mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because of what their offensive structure is too. And then the Hopkins yeah. trade immediately turns into, well, now the offense can open up because Hopkins isn't that good. And now you, you don't need a number one wide <laughs> receiver. You don't need to pay for one. It's not that important. And then Houston struggles in the red zone all year. Yeah, they lose four games because they can't score. <laughs> yeah, they lose two games directly because of their red zone offense. And he's not important. The offense is open up. And that's why Watson was great this year. Not because like he's 25 years old and he's a great player. And young players yeah. get better, you know. And he got better and, in spite and- of it. And really, before we get too far beyond the Tunsil thing, not not to like go back and, and, and talk about things that have already happened, but that's part of what this is, right? This was the, the franchise has been in free fall for a while now. And what you were just talking about, about having a, you know, what, what I was mentioning about having a serviceable left tackle, it can work if you can coach up offensive line players. But this team for years yeah. has just been horrifically bad at coaching up offensive line players. I mean, the the whole reason they had to do the draft capital crippling move to get Laramie Tunsil is because they can't coach these guys up to do anything. They mm-hmm. never have ever since O'Brien's been here. Yeah, for sure. And I, um, I, I'm forgetting the offensive line coach's name that I can't believe is still old, employed. Good old Mike Devlin. Yes, Devlin. I just, of all the people who, who survived as long as they have, he's, he's the one who should have been gone before anyone else. Yeah. Like God's, he got fired. Tim Kelly lost his job and then picked his job back up. after right. I got fired. But like, Devin was How do they not, long. when they're in the OL room and when they're having team meetings with the head coach and they're talking about, well, you know, we, we drafted this guy and we got this guy to play left tackle. We're going to try this guy left tackle. Now we're going to try this guy left tackle. Well, now we're going to try this guy left tackle. Let's draft Titus Howard. Is he going to work at left tackle? Ah, it's better as a right tackle. No, well, he played right guard first think, and then had to move yeah, to right tackle. Right, exactly. <laughs> why do you think they had to give up all that stuff to get Laramie yeah. Tunsil? They didn't have to do that. They could have been developing their own talent, but they weren't able to ever do it under Devlin. Devlin mm-hmm. could never do it. And I know that's not necessarily what this whole podcast is about, but you know, it's more than Jack Easterby. There's just been it's been years of this. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like it's fair that Watson could have played the good soldier for a long time. And now when he's going into his, you know, what his fifth or sixth season next season, next year, he's looking at his career. And like I said, he's looking at JJ and he's talked to Andre and he's like, you know, damn, you know, I could I could waste my whole career here and not get and not even get into the AFC Championship game, much less a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that, and that's true. And like this is year five for him. And like really, like the one thing I can think about for Watson and like what what changes like, all right. So O'Brien gets fired, Easter fills the vacuum. He becomes the culture guy. He gets Casario hired to be able to keep his job. And then Cal McNair ignored him. And like Cal, you can't let give a player. You don't say that to me if you're not going to follow through with it. And you do not want a player having anything at all to do with who the general manager is going to be. Yeah. You can't no, you have don't. him hire your own boss. It, it should have never been promised. It's ins- Yeah, it's insane. It's like you had players and it was like beating that BR report um, after O'Brien was fired, like how the culture was and how the locker room was. And there was players like, well, he was he did some really great moves as general manager. He was awful as a general manager. And, yeah. uh, uh, and like they don't view those things very well whenever you hear and, anything like that too. Yeah, and let me jump in again real quick. So... <sighs> The whole Jack, now this this specifically is about about Watson because reportedly he's not a fan of Easterby. Now I have to say that Watson has never specifically said it was Easterby, but when he talks about the culture needing mm-hmm. a shift and Easterby was brought in as the culture guy, I think it's fair for us to all make that assumption that he just wants Easterby gone. All right, so they fire Bill O'Brien and then they put Easterby in as the interim general manager. 
Why? There are other people in the building who actually are overseeing oversee personnel. The, the, the general manager is not the only person who oversees personnel. Yeah. You got scouting directors. You got a, you know the you know director the, uh, of pro player yeah, personnel. Yeah, exactly. The director of pro of, of pro player personnel. Why was Easterby even put in on an interim basis? I you know I think we were screaming about That's that a when great it happened. Point. Like that was so weird to me. When they go back in this and, and Cal says, well, I needed someone in that position, so it's my fault. You know, when Cal McNair says it's my fault because I put him in that position, I needed someone there. Why Jack Easterby? Mm-hmm. Why is he <laughs> – he's not qualified to be a general manager. He's also not qualified to be an interim general manager. You know, if the president has to step down, they put in the vice president. They don't go grab someone who's completely unqualified to be the president. I, I, it doesn't matter, that, that move made no sense to me. And if I was a player, that would have raised my eyebrow too. Like, why this guy and not whoever their, you know, director of pro player personnel was. Well, and even then, like, what does make sense to me though is like you saying that. Like, I completely agree. But he was the he was like the assistant GM with Bill O'Brien. He neg- he helped negotiate Deshaun Watson's contract. He helped negotiate Larry Tunsil's contract. Like they yep. knew he was <laughs> making these. Yeah, job, they knew he was doing all this work. And so now, now all of a sudden, we have a problem with him. Now we have a problem with the organizational structure. And again, like I really like the only argument for Watson in the situation is that he gave it a shot. He played good soldier, and he's realized like, well, the one thing you can't control is if you have a bad owner. I think Cal McNair is a bad owner. I don't see this getting any better. I don't trust the decisions they made. They lied to me about. You know, this coaching general manager search, and he's going to be there anymore because of that. But again, like Watson had plenty of chances along the way to be like, this is screwed up. Like, this is a bad decision. I don't understand why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why are we doing this? Why is the offense like this? Didn't do it at all whatsoever. And now the whole thing's on fire, and now he wants out of it. When again, he had multiple chances over the past, you know, two or three years. Like, this has been his team for two years now, and he's had multiple chances to do something about it. Um, internally, and maybe he has, and like we don't know because we're purely speculating um, mm-hmm. right now. Like, but just based off the the things I've read and seen, that's really the biggest gripe I have with is that he's had opportunities to speak up and change something, and maybe he has. I don't know, but that hasn't been reported at all. And uh, if he hasn't, like that's a big like it's been there all along. These issues have been bad all along. These decisions have been bad all along, and now the things on fire. Now he wants to go, and uh, I don't like. I don't know. It just. It just well, doesn't maybe. make sense to me. Maybe he does. Yeah, we we I think we'd know if he specifically asked for a trade at this point. I mean that that is not gonna stay secret for very long. So I, I do feel like, like I said earlier, Deshaun is in this place now where he's 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 trying to have some patience. He's trying to not be reactionary. He's got a lot of players in his ear right now. He's got a lot of people in his ear right now telling him to get out. You know, uh, but I think he's smart enough to know that that he doesn't have to make this decision immediately, but it's a rock and a hard place. Like mm-hmm. I said, because they cannot nail this coaching uh, hire without the coach knowing that Deshaun's going to be on board. Well, anyone, anyone who's going to be a good pick, like if you feel like Eric Bieniemy is a good pick, I just, I, I know, like I said, he's almost missed out on two full cycles, but I still feel like there's a chance that Eric Bieniemy might say, you know, I'm good being Patrick Mahomes OC for another year, and yeah. we'll try to like, get like next what, season. Like what Dable just did. He was like, yeah, I'm going right. to stay here in Buffalo another year. I'll be happy here with Allen. Uh, we'll so, try with no Super Bowl next year, and I'll try again then. Yeah, so while I appreciate that Deshaun understands that, you know, the season's a long way away, I mean, you kind of have to do something right now. You kind of have to make a decision now if you also want there to be the right coaching hire. Now, he might be past the point of no return at this point. I, I don't know. I really hope not. But 
I mean, I, I feel like, like I said, depending on who this coaching hire is, we might find out pretty quickly where, you know, where Deshaun sits on this. Mm-hmm. And, and back on Cal real quick, NFL owners, you know, there's only 32 of them. Well, I guess 31 if you don't count the Packers. Big shit, Cal. They're a bunch of – they're so – I'm trying to the word. They're so lame for trying to be like, yeah, I, have, I own the Packers. You own yeah, the Packers. no, you don't. <laughs> I own Apple stock. Well, guess what? I don't own Apple. <laughs> you kind of do so, in that situation. At least you get dividends and you can sell it yeah, back. Instead I can just, listen to the conference call. Yes. Yes. So with Cal, like, think about NFL owners by and large. They're sharks, man, because they're billionaires. You know, mm. some of them are guys who just tripped into money, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are guys who I know we love to hate on billionaires. And so, yeah, for the ones who just like inherited money from their daddies and their mommies, I get it. But a lot of these guys busted their asses to get what they are, and they did some questionable stuff to get there. It's just kind of part of the game. They're sharks. Can you imagine Cal McNair walking into a room of other NFL owners, guys like Jerry Jones, guys like Dan Snyder? Not, not that these are guys are great owners, but they're sharks, man. They, yeah. I guarantee you they laugh at this guy. Oh, like, they laugh at him. Did you ever hear He's, that story about Schneider that he made a bunch of money in college by – renting private airplanes at Georgetown and then sending people to like Mexico for spring break. And then just like making like hundreds of thousand dollars doing that. No. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> like that's like, that's like, that was like his first big business idea was renting out private planes and then renting them out to like rich college kids whose parents could afford it and make much money like that, which is hilarious. Well, it's better than just getting it from, you know, your dad, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, you, you, I'm not saying that Cal, that, that Deshaun wants an owner who's a shark like these guys, but, I mean, Cal, if he's not a buffoon, he definitely has buffoonish tendencies. I mean, the, the whole introdu- uh, introductory press conference with Casario <laughs> was just a disaster. He's in there making jokes about, you know, how's your golf game? I mean, uh, I am a human, I, too. Oh, my God. The guy just uh, – every time he opens his mouth. See, that, that's, that's the funny thing about Cal. Like, his idea of hiring someone – to run stuff in lieu of him is actually not a bad one. He just hired the wrong guy, man. Mm-hmm. Not Jack Easterby. Somebody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I think like Cal is an empty vessel and he just has yeah, like he an needs to be a silent spirit. owner. He yeah. needs to be. He just has a sick, like insidious thing filling him up and you know, an Easterby and then having him, you know, controlling as much as he does. Um yeah, I, I don't think like Cal doesn't care about the football team. I don't think it's, it's a situation oh, where yeah, he I don't think he's ball. like he doesn't want to invest. He doesn't want to have a winning football team. I just think he doesn't know how to do it, and he has the wrong people guiding him. And one of the good things, the weird thing about Cal though is like how much in the spotlight he is. Whereas like Bob was never really in the spotlight. He just made decisions. The only yeah. time like you really heard from him was that he got caught <laughs> off the elevator in that Lambo game where he said. A name redacted played as well as Aaron Rodgers did today. Yeah. I mean, he like had three point two yards in attempt, you know. But it's weird yeah. how like in front of the camera Cal is, and I just imagine him with his shirt tucked in his underwear and like a piece of toilet paper on his shoe as uh, <laughs> he fakes a tear, you know. But I don't, yes. again, like, I don't think he doesn't care. I just think he's an empty vessel, and he just has the one per- wrong person yeah. guiding him right now. He, he's not he. I know there's the popular hashtag amongst a lot amongst a lot of Balrid blog ours, writers, ours included. Yeah, uh, there's the whole Calmanair does not care. I, I I don't I don't think it's that at all. I think it's actually worse than that. He, he cares he, too much, he, maybe. He he wasn't cut out for this. He's yeah. just not made for this. Mm-hmm. He's not made. He's not ready. I don't think he's the type who will ever be ready. He he just <sighs> it, it, it's weird. Like I, I'm trying. It, I'm, it, it seems like I'm talking out of both sides right now 
because I obviously am not pleased with what's going on with the franchise right now. But he, I think this really just boils down to Cal is not cut out for this. And he's insulated because billionaires always are. He really probably has no idea what the true temperature of the fan base is. He probably needs a, a fan rep like, uh, you know, a Matt Weston or a Stephanie Stradley or someone like that to meet with him like on a quarterly basis to give him an idea of what's going on with the fan base. Cause I guarantee you, like <laughs> he, he probably has no idea how, how bad this is right now. Otherwise, if he does know how bad it is right now, then he needs to be removed immediately because he's so tone deaf in his response. Mm-hmm. The, uh, another perfect example is he on it. Like in that, in that presser, he made that whole speech about, about Patriot South. No one asked him the question, <laughs> respond to how people call us Patriot South. And then he went on about how we're not, we don't do things the Patriots way. We do things the Texans way. No one asked him, but what did he do? He took the phrase that people associate with the Patriots, the Patriots way. And he said, we do it the Texans way. He literally branded the Texans the way the Patriots yeah. brand themselves without even being prompted to do it. So tone deaf. I love that. So tone deaf. So uh, which is it? Does he not know what's going on and he just has no clue or does he know what's going on? And that was his attempt to quell it because both are totally unacceptable. Yeah. And the other thing I love about that press conference too, and like in that article, McLean said about how Eastbury's not going to be fired, um, which is where the McLean like put his name on that and said that, you know, directly is, was that <laughs> yes. thing like, well, we just haven't communicated what Eastbury does here very well. It's like you had, seven chances in your big press yeah. conference Direct to communicate <laughs> directly what Easterby does. And there's your chance and you fail to do it because yeah. he controls everything and he's paying. And he River said on the last podcast we did that he helped negotiate Nick Casario's contract even. And it's like, yeah, it's like Euro Burroughs of, you know, whatever uh, Easterby does and doesn't do. Um, the one thing that like going back to like the Watson situation too, the one, like I know I said like Watson's probably to blame. I do believe that just from like what we've read and just the football decisions that were made and his decision to not like stick up and stand up for some of this. And you know, JJ Watt goes hand in hand with that as well too. He's been silent, you know, like after they trade Clowney and everything else um, as well. But one of the things that I've heard is that they've turned this operation to like not a fun place to play an operation where like you don't feel like you can be yourself really at all. And I think that and like the Hopkins trade wasn't a football decision. It was a personality head co- je- uh, employee, employee, employer relationship that was fractioned and was traded because of that. It wasn't because of the team itself. And so like, that's the biggest, like for Watson wanting a trade, that's really kind of the biggest thing I point to because like, everything football related has been there. The issues with the talent have been there. Um, Easterby's been there. Bill O'Brien was a bad coach. He was there. You know, all of that's been there the entire time. Cal McNair hasn't been like the new owner that's come in, but that change with Easterby coming in, turning the this like a bad place to play football and an unenjoyable place to play football, is a direct effect of that. Him still being there, and then the Cal stuff is the one thing pointing to like why this Watson, you know, trade is is occurring and could possibly actually happen instead mm-hmm. of just like this ongoing saga that we're not happy about and just so tired of listening about at the same time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I get what you're saying about about that, but I just I just feel like Watson's better nature forced him to at least do what I think most reasonable people would do, which is when something like that, when there's a big change, like there was when when Cal took over, you look around and you say, okay, this isn't the same, but it can't stay this way. He just has to get his feet wet. This is going to get better. Instead, it's gotten exponentially worse. And I think even Watson has probably been surprised by that. And I mean, you really don't want to make a stink during the season. I think that I, I'm saying 
this is probably what Watson, as a good guy, as a guy who doesn't want to rock the boat, who doesn't want to be thought of as a cancer, this is that's what I think he was thinking. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do this during the season. Yeah, it makes sense. But as soon as the season is over, I'm going to let loose. And sure enough, at that last presser after the Titans game, man, we just need a culture shift from top to bottom. You know, Deshaun Watson's never going to be the kind of guy who's going to be like, we need to get this Jack East to be jackass out of here. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's just not him. But that was as close, I think, as Deshaun Watson is ever going to get to naming names. And he was very clear. Like, I know that he gets criticized for his tweets, myself included, with some of these cryptic tweets. And just like, look, dude, it's not even cryptic anymore. We know what you're saying. Like, we know you're unhappy, so just say it. But he was very clear after that Titans game. It's no, it's no secret who's in charge of the culture. We know who's in charge of the culture. We know who's brought in. And Deshaun attacked that. And not only did they not address it, they brought in more of that style of culture by bringing in a guy who is personally attacked, like Casario said in his introductory presser, that Mm -hmm. Easterby helped him through some personal stuff, which we don't know what any of that stuff is. But so now, like, it's like strengthened. It's more than it was before. So I, I get why Watson's upset, but I do wish that he would now just, you know, instead of doing what he's doing now, I wish he would actually just come out and say it and maybe he has to people's faces. Like he's probably not the guy who's going to do it on Twitter, but just as a fan, like, you know, I was an Oilers fan. We've been through that. I went to the Buffalo game. So I've seen the worst of like Houston pro football. Like I've been through it all. Like, you know, been a fan of the Texans obviously since they started. And I know that when you hear me on this show, especially tonight, like I don't sound calm and I don't sound reasoned, but in general, I really am. I think more calm and reasoned than a lot of fans who are just like immediately like, Oh, fire this guy, fire that guy. In fact, to my own fault, like I was late on wanting Bill O'Brien fired. I was late on wanting Gary Kubiak fired. So I'm patient to a fault. So I'm not saying that as a superior thing. I'm saying like, I'm actually a pretty patient fan, even though I may not sound like it. And like, I actually am questioning whether I can stick with this franchise. Mm -hmm. If they go to Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, is what we've all been waiting for <laughs> since 2002, since Warren Moon. <laughs> Literally since Warren Moon. For, for, for fans who are a little bit older and have been around since the Euler days, we've been waiting for Deshaun Watson since Warren Moon. And the guy hasn't done hardly, he's done nothing wrong. He's done everything right. And he's getting better. He had his best season. I thought that the cancer was cut out when Bill O'Brien was gone. Turns out that things are getting worse. So I'm legitimately questioning whether I can stick with this franchise because if they somehow get through this, Cal McNair is going to step on another banana peel at some point and screw this whole thing up. So I, I'm, I'm like, for the first time, for the first time, I've never questioned whether I would stick with the Texans, ever. Like, it, it's my town. This is where I'm from. You know, people associate their teams with, you know, where they're, where they're from geographically. That's just the way it is, right? Like, this is my city. Yeah. But I'm from I, Texas. I just, they're called the Texans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not so, not so thrilled about that part. But, but, yeah, like, I mean, this is my team. And football is my sport. Like, I, 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 I love the Astros and I love the Rockets, too. But, like, it's not even close. Pro football is my, is my game. And I literally am sitting here wondering, like, can I stay with this team if they unload Deshaun Watson? Can I, I don't know if I can. I honestly don't. It's the first time I've ever seriously questioned that. Yeah, that's a, I mean, like, that really is like a philosophical, like, uh, existential dilemma right there. And I guarantee you, Chris, if they traded Deshaun Watson, I would give it, like, four days to a week to 
turn into, hey, Justin Fields could be better than Deshaun Watson. I guarantee you like, that's exactly what's going to happen. And it seemed the same thing that occurred after they trade oh, Hawkins, sure. after they trade Clowney, after they trade for Tunsil. Yeah, that, I mean, that ain't like, going to be me, though. <laughs> and part of it's like that's what it is being a fan, you know. Um, like, for me, like, I don't know. Like, I think I'd still watch the Texans every Sunday just because it'd be hilarious, you know, to watch this, like, absolute yeah. wreckage, you know, go Owen. Oh, At least they have a first-round pick um, in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt, honestly, like, I was telling Rivers this over text. Like, for me, I, I could never fully leave the Texans because of the friendships and the relationships that yeah, I sure. have through the Texans. Like, like you and Rivers and, you know, and BFD and, and a handful of the other guys, like, I just have friends who I, I, I know them as friends because of the Texans. So I could never fully leave. But as far as being like emotionally invested in them or in any way financially invested, like, I mean, I don't have season tickets, but, you know, sure, I buy gear here and there, like, or like making sure that I clear out my Sundays. Like, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seriously considering how I would have to, I, I need to see what, ha- if it happens, I need to see how it hits me, you know? Um, but I just, I just have this, this, sinking feeling that you know if cal is going to screw up having a young franchise quarterback who legitimately has a claim to the number two quarterback in the league and who legitimately is getting better and could become the best quarterback in the nfl who's also just as a bonus a good citizen if he screws that up what's he gonna screw up next yeah all because of like this idea of like the culture that you want to have in the football team right because like brand cooks like he wears a, a cross necklace because Ron Cobb's dad worked in a factory in Kentucky. Those are the guys that we need, not the superstar <sighs> quarterback who you know came through a lot of like hardships himself to get to the place that he's been right. at as well too. And he's a religious guy too, and even yeah. he's rejecting this dude. <laughs> you know, Deshaun. By and large, I think an overwhelming percentage of NFL players are probably religious guys. You know, the Arian Fosters of the world are a little bit more rare. Yeah, but even even these guys who are you know religious guys which there's nothing wrong with that but like when you take it to a level that jack easterby does and and other religious players are rejecting this guy and being like who is this dude and making people uncomfortable and trying to establish this you know the 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 thing that football players and the coaches and the front office have in common number one is football (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's football it's not god it's not the church it's football so I'm not saying you go out and you find murderers and hire them. Like, I've, we've, we've all been Texans fans for a long time. We know that there are certain guys that they'll never sign. That's fine. You know, like, I'd like them to take a, ch- a chance on a, on a you know, guy who is of questionable character once in a while. But I'm, by and large, I'm fine with them not, like, you know, grabbing up these bad citizen players. You know, I, I'm fine with that. They, they can compete. They can win Super Bowls with that, especially with Deshaun Watson. I'm not asking them to hire inmates. You know, but to, to take it to this next level where they're trying to build this city on a hill, you know, whatever this is, culture they're talking about, you're a football team. The mm-hmm. thing that binds you together in the building is your love for football. It's so funny that they've probably have invested more in, you know, uh, the cross and they have in like analytics. <laughs> you know what I mean? <sighs> and it's also funny too because like East Street uh, is running like, East is running like the nutrition element and like the workout element of it as well too and coming from where he has to like never forget this also by the way bill o'brien brought jack easterby to houston he brought yes. him here it was his decision 
Like yep, he's whoops. the one who got him over here too. And like again, like all this kind of stems from Bill O'Brien. I know he's gonna get kind of a pass off of it because like the team's being bad next year and whatever else. He brought Easterby here. He's the one who wasted Deshaun Watson's rookie contract. He's the one who made all these terrible decisions. He's the one that tried to get Casario here along with Easterby and gave him all the power to like completely ruin this team from that point on too. And like none of that portion of it is new also. And like kind of going back to this discussion as a fan, there was that uh, little march for Deshaun Watson on mm-hmm. Monday. Were you out there? Did you bring your picket fence? <laughs> did you, uh, did uh, you mask up and scream? No, I'm way too employed for that. So <laughs> no, I, I I know it was MLK Day, so maybe some people had work off. But no, I was I was contributing to society Monday, so I did not. I was not able to go down. Now I I say that sort of I'm sneering at them, but while I support their cause, I. I'm not like, you know, let's go protest in the stadium kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what what I learned from that yesterday is like the Texans are my favorite football team. I like the Houston Texans. But what I learned yesterday and also like during this whole Deshaun Watson thing too, like I don't love the Houston Texans like a lot of people do. You know what I mean? Like I can never imagine, I don't know, myself doing that. And yeah. uh, and like regardless of what happens to this football team, like I'm gonna be good. Everything, I'm, my life's gonna be good. Yeah, because I, I've I, invested I, in done these sort of things, to like set myself up to be at this place that I'm at. And like it's a, it's like a, it's a way to enrich life. Like Deshaun Watson watching play football every Sunday enriches life. It's not it's amazing, the yeah. sun in my life. You know what I mean? It's not the center of things. But uh, I yeah. really, it, but like I used to be like that though. Me too. Me and, too. Especially in the Oiler days, I, I was definitely like. You know, and of course, I was younger when the Oilers were around, so I didn't have you know mortgages and yeah. jobs and all these other things that filled my life up. So the Oilers would lose; it would ruin my week. They win; that it would make my week. I would listen to sports radio all week long. You know, I would call into the shows. Like I, I was all about that life. But I think that fracture when the Oilers left town, and there was those several years, you know, eight years or whatever it was, six years. I forget how long it was. Um, until the Texans came, you know, I was, you know, obviously aging during that time and I was getting into the workforce during that time. So I think, you know, for me, like I'm the same way the Oilers lose like during, I'm sorry, the Texans lose like during the game. I'm in that game, man. Like as, as much as I ever have been, I'm in the game, but as soon as the game is over, I'm good. You know, win or lose, it doesn't Mm -hmm. ruin my day. It doesn't ruin my week. And truthfully, I feel bad for people that, that haven't, flip that switch yet i feel bad for those people's wives <laughs> and their girlfriends and their kids <laughs> but yeah they're, do- they're dogs it, they're cats. it's like a movie for me you know like i love the movie while i'm in it and it might stick with me a little bit in my head afterwards but it's not going to affect my mood you know and, and in fact it's funny matt like the most upset i've ever been as a texans fan has never been from a game it's it's been number one the hopkins trade mm-hmm. and number two right now <laughs> gotcha it's the most upset i've ever been as a texans fan i've never been as up close to as upset as i am right now i've never been close to this from the actual uh outcome of a game ever yeah well and i'm not sneering at them either like and i, I feel the same way you are like it's against an enrichment for me 10 years ago 12 years ago i would have like i don't know driven my 04 cord out there and you may be taking part in it, but like, it's just the way I, the way like I, yeah. the way I enjoy I the game. I may have a long time ago too. Yep. Yeah. The way I enjoy the game now is differently. You know, like I watch the Texans live. I watch the condensed games and I watch as many condensed games as, as I can. So I can watch the whole league and I write, write 10 things and I watch the Texans video, whatever I get the chance to learn the week. Like that's how I like to watch it. And, but it doesn't like, you know, drive me insane or, 
uh, pull at me like it used to. I think part of it also is like during the Bill O'Brien era, you knew what the ceiling was, you know, and like I got ripped yep. in here and there. I kind of got caught and I knew exactly how I was going to play out. But I think the two time, the most upset I ever was as a Texans fan was in 2012 when they lost to the Patriots by like 37 points. That mm-hmm. the the uh, Letterman jacking game absolutely got me. <laughs> the second time was whenever yes. they whenever they didn't draft Teddy Bridgewater in 2014. Like, so wait, well, we're just gonna they can trade Watson for him and, and the eight, eight number seven overall pick. Hey, let's do it. Uh, but like <laughs> to be there at that point, and be like, yeah, we're gonna go with Ryan Fitzpatrick after like learning what regression was because of Bill Barnwell. And be like, wait, they can be good next year. If they get quarterback, <laughs> they can be a playoff team. Like they uh-huh. could be a Super Bowl team if they have a good quarterback and rookie contract. And Bridgewater is this, and he fell. And they didn't do it. And like I was more upset at the time about that than I was about Mike's girlfriend yeah. getting ready to move across the country, you know. And like that's how sick of a fan I was back then. And now I it's different that. In that way too. Um, but yeah, like if Watson goes, I don't know. I think I'll still watch. But again, it's like you're investing fifty-five hours a, in a year to this thing that you already know is going to happen. That's yeah. like a disgusting and future mess already and going forward. And I think a lot of people aren't going to watch anymore if they do do that. And yeah, I, I could never, I could never leave their relationships. E- even more than just like the few people that I actually have, like you know, a personal relationship with, like you know, with you and Rivers and a couple of others. Just, just like you know, the, the fun of Texans Twitter, you know, good times and bad times. I, I, I could never, I could never leave that. But I could see a scenario where I'm just like, you know, because now to this day, I, I make time to make sure that I watch the Texans. If, if something comes up and I can't watch the game, which is very rare, I DVR it and I avoid spoilers mm-hmm. so that I watch it not knowing who won. That's only happened like five or six times since they started. I can see myself getting to a point where, you know, I just missed the game, no big deal. You check the box I may, I, and like, should I watch this one or not? Yeah, or I, I just skip the game entirely because I want to do something else. Like, I could see myself getting to that level. I, I But just because of the relationships and the people and you know, the fun slash misery of Texans Twitter. I could never, I could never leave that. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Uh, well, Twitter for me now is just posting Josh Allen highlights. Like that's all I'm saying now. <laughs> you, you do have problems with Josh Allen. Well, I like, just, I just it's like so it. funny because you've been pumping him even when he was terrible and then he became great. And just like, this is a, this is like a dream come true for you. Ever since he jumped Anthony Barr, I'm like, this is the greatest <laughs> quarterback of all time. And all of y'all who don't like him are losers because you don't enjoy beautiful, wonderful things. Um, but so this next thing that came up that today, the Lance Zerline tweets, like I alluded to earlier, was that Watson isn't going to win playing Houston unless Cal McNair steps down. And there's no world out there where an owner is going to step down no. and not have his job because the player requests it. So, no. like, Chris, do you think this is, like, an actual ask from Deshaun Watson? Or is this him just, like, hitting the nuclear option where, like, I want to go. This is the only way I can get out of here. Because, again, I'm under contract until 2025. There's a franchise tag. They just extended me. Uh, how do you how do you go about that? Like, what is your... Uh, reasoning on like what's going on there with that tweet uh, I, I just i don't know i, I feel like I, I forget who said it on twitter but i think they summed it up nicely it, it might have been lance that you know deshaun knows once he goes public with a trade request then they've hit a point of no return and that's just not in his nature you know it, it, it might be coming to that and i still don't think it's in his nature it's just an extraordinary situation that he feels like he has no choice you know, for the betterment of his, own, of his own career. And I don't disagree with him. That's what's so sad about this. You know, if he goes, I'll be upset, but I'll wish him well, you know, and I'll, they'll probably be 
if I do leave the Texans, maybe they'll be my like team number two or something. I, I don't know. I, I could never, I just don't feel like I could ever change my team allegiance. I would just become, you know, a league fan. Yeah. So it's a good way to do it. And like, that's what I've done since like Bill Bryan was like, Oh, this is how it is now, I guess. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, so, I enjoyed a lot more watching the game like this too. I, I just, I don't know, man. I, like I said, I feel like I feel like Deshaun has, through no fault, honestly, in my opinion, through no fault of his own, put himself in a really hard place because I feel like the best scenario would be let's just all cool off for a few months. The season just ended. We've literally got until the summer before anything of this really has to be hashed out. Or, I mean, I guess maybe before the draft. But, again, you still have the head coaching hire, and, and he is the number one focal point of any coach's intention to come here. Mm-hmm. So he's put himself, you know, in that, he, he's in that, he's in that kind of hard position. And man, I just, I really, I just really can't blame him for what he's feeling. I, I, I wouldn't handle it the exact same way that he's doing it. The cryptic tweets. I'm not a fan. You know, it was kind of funny at first to me, but now it's like every other day he's putting one out and I'm just, honestly, I just, I'm kind of sick of it. And I know that this is more like a generational thing, but for me, I'm just like, okay, you know, yeah, yeah. I, you, you clearly are upset. You know, it's not like a mystery anymore. So just say it, you know, say it or go into the office and say it to their faces and don't do it over social media. Yeah, for sure. I, I also, I like some of the memes that came out. It's like of other song lyrics that Sean Watson composed, you know, like a wah by Disturbed or Heart of Blender, you know, things like that instead of, yeah. you know, future I, lyrics. I, I, and... I got, I got no response to mine that I put out because I just, I just, I just figured no one's heard of the song, but there's an old country song. I'm not even a big country fan, but I knew about this song that goes last night at two, I came home with a 10, but at 10, I woke up with a two. There we go. Yeah. So that, that was the one that I put out there after his whole two and 10 comment. So I'm I sad just assume no one, no one, no one knows that song, and that and that's fine. <laughs> I'm sad. I'm sad. I missed out to go uh, scroll through your your dirty laundry and pull that one up and, <laughs> and have a giggle at it. Um, uh-huh. So regarding the Texas head coaching search, and then we'll answer some of these really great listener questions we have here. Oh yeah, let's do it. The Jets hire Robert Sala. The Chargers hire Brand Staley. The Jaguars hired Urban Meyer. The Lions hired uh, Dan Campbell, which is which Dan is, Campbell. Remember him? What he the was hell? the interim coach in Miami. When they beat the when they hell beat out of Houston Texans. by 42 yep. 7. Yeah. I remember. Uh, whenever Lamar Miller was Lamar Miller before Bill O'Brien ruined him. The <laughs> yes. Falcons hired Arthur Smith. Again, like, I don't talk about my sources all that often, but my sources were right about Arthur Smith. And now only the Eagles and Texans don't have a head coach, despite the Texans being the first team without a head coach, too. Um, so, who's your favorite head coach candidate left in this poll now that Brian Dable said that he's staying with Buffalo for another year? I, I, man, that's a tough one. I, I, okay. So here's my thing with the enemy. I, I think I fell in with pretty much the group think on the enemy thinking like I, I liked him as a candidate, but I, I, I'm trying not to just be a total cynic with the reasons why he hasn't been hired. Just falling back on the whole race issue. I, I you know, I, I know he has some issues in his past, but so did Vance Joseph and the Texans hired him. Mm-hmm. So I don't see what the problem is there. Um, but also like Anthony know, Weaver too as well. Yeah. And, and a lot of these things happened a hell of a long time ago and people are allowed to make mistakes and I don't want to set off a firebomb that'll get me banned from Red blog, but just, but just let me say in a general sense, 
Um, the Texans as a franchise have, let's say, backed some people who have done some very questionable things in the last several years. So I don't want to hear about this moral high ground garbage. I really don't. I don't want to hear it from the Texans. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So and then so on top of that, the enemy, I, I've seen some old NFL films footage of him coaching on the sideline. And he's very abrasive. Like he's, I, I think it was maybe when he was coaching with the Vikings. I remember seeing oh, some really? stuff with him, like getting in Adrian Peterson's face because he was the running backs coach. And I was just like, man, that guy, like <laughs> he is, he is like drill sergeant mean to some of these guys. Now, he may not, he may not still be that way, and that's fine. Like I, I, you know, Deshaun even said again in his final press conference that they needed someone who would come in and lead them so they could follow him. Someone who installed some discipline. Like he, he basically intimated that there wasn't a lot of discipline and I guarantee you Eric B style, there'd be some discipline. So I do like B but I also think this thing happens with NFL owners where they get, they get mind tricked by these guys who come in and they interview really well in front of the owners, but who are these guys going to be in charge of yeah. players, not the owners. So I don't really give a, a damn about how a guy like, you know, Brady, you know, Joe Brady or, you know, Vrabel a couple of years ago apparently had an amazing interview with the Titans brass that got him hired. I don't care about impressing the owners. You know, if a guy's a little bit raw and a little bit uncouth and doesn't come off like a great dude in a suit and tie, who cares, man? Mm-hmm. He's there to coach football. It's football, man. It's football. You're not pushing <laughs> numbers around on a spreadsheet. You know, it's football. So the, the owners, and I don't have any confidence at all that Cal McNair can put himself in these shoes. The owners need to be talking to these guys and in their head need to be thinking to themselves, how is this guy going to relate to my players? How is this guy going to coach my players? Instead, I think a lot of these guys get bowled over by these candidates who angle their interviews to impress an owner. And I don't care about that. Yeah. I mean, like, so if I, was, I guess my answer oh, is the enemy. I like Joe Brady, but he needs one more year. Cause we need to see him in but, Carolina one more year. He, I like Joe Brady fine and I liked Staley fine, but I think for this particular job where there's this much dysfunction, I don't know if that works. I really liked Robert Sala a lot. He's gone. But so your question was the remaining candidates. I, I guess it's the enemy. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean like if the enemy should just be like, just go in there and cry about his family, how much he loves his family. And, uh, and his big giant baby, like, yeah, he'll get and a job. The, and the Lord. And the Lord, and that's all he needs, and he'll be uh, he'll be there on Sundays. Be like, my only problem, the only thing I like yeah. about the end of, can we get as many Monday night games as possible so I can go to church on Sundays instead? That's very <laughs> important for me. Well, um, what I, my, my hope with the enemy is, like, he would do the interview and just be like, oh, Jack, I'm a man of the Lord, too. Let's, put, let's lay hands on each other and go. pray for six hours. And then as soon as he gets the job and Jack Easterby steps on his practice field, he looks at him and says, you get the hell out of my practice field right now. Yeah. You turn those nines into sixes as soon as you get the job. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, my, so like, yeah, for me, the enemy has been number one for me all along. And like, we kind of mentioned Bienemy being a good head coaching candidate after they lost to the Colts in 18. We're like, why? Like whenever there was arguments against Farm Bill Bryce, like, well, who are you going to get? I'm like, go get the offense corner in Kansas city, you know? And we talked about that two years ago. Like, so for me, it's Bannemi one, and then it was Dable two, and then it was Arthur Smith three. And like, I thought you had to go offensive guy, and that was it. Um, Staley was the only defensive guy that I kind of liked just because I think his offense, his defense was set up um, for like the postmodern NFL until you play mm-hmm. a team who can actually run the ball and plays a balanced offense, which, you know, happened. I had blinders, so I missed that. 
um, last weekend. But I think Bienemy should is like the best can available. Um, you know, I think Joe Brady's probably gonna sign Philly if I had to guess. Even though I think he needs another year too. And do you think this situation, Chris, is as simple as the Texans hired Bienemy, Watson's happy now, and now we can play football again? Boy, that's what I thought at the beginning when this whole controversy about with, with Watson started up the first few days. That's exactly what I thought. You you make nice, you just hire the enemy, and you go. But there's been so much noise about how this is more than just you know the head coaching thing. It's more about Cal and this and that. Like now, I'm not so sure. Um, I really do wish that we had some solid sourced reporting that we could 100% trust mm-hmm. that that he was somehow involved in the enemy interview. Instead, we have you know, a couple of guys saying that he was, and we have Lance Zerline saying he didn't, that he wasn't involved. So that would go a long way, but yeah, not being sure whether or not Deshaun had any, had any, had any um, play in that. That's a little bit concerning for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel similarly about it too. Like, I don't know what's exactly going around. If I had a guess, I would say the enemy gets hired. I would say that he's my favorite candidate left. I thought either him and Dave will be really great here just as far as like creating a spread passing attack for Sean Watson because like the future of the Houston Texans was going to be Watson operating empty formations in a spread offense, and both those candidates could do that really well. And Smith is going to be great in Atlanta. I think he could have been in uh, Houston too, but it doesn't matter now. Yeah, he's a weird-looking uh, dude, though. I'll, yeah, give a, I'll say that. He's coached he for everybody, like the guy, He looks like the guy from that cartoon that Steve or uh, that animated feature that Steve Carell was in. I can't remember. Despicable Me. He looks like the guy from I Despicable see, He me. looks like Groot. <laughs> yes. I mean, th- my thing about Smith, though, is like he's learned how not to do it from and he's like picked up like what to do from a bunch of different guys, you know, like he's coached yeah. for like four or five different head coaches and has picked and choose everything, like create top five offense in Tennessee. And I think like he's I can't wait to watch Caleb McGarry and Lindstrom in his offense next year. I, I want to ask you a real quick question, Matt. On Bienemy before we get away from him. So Bienemy interviewed with every open position except for the Eagles. Yeah. Apparently they requested him, but he has not interviewed with him at this point. Now, how many it's like weird. I'd say in general, the number of franchises in the NFL right now that I would definitely say are worse than the Texans might be at one or two, or maybe even zero. My point is these franchises that interviewed him are probably more smartly run than the Texans. So does it concern you a little bit that this cycle, there have been franchises that have smarter owners than the Texans that interviewed Bienemy, who was thought to be the number one hottest coaching prospect going into this head coaching cycle and passed on him? Yeah, it, I mean, it's weird. Like, yeah, it does give you um, some concern there in that front of it. And like, I don't know, it's just weird. Like, I don't know I, if it's as simple as like what you said, like he's a little bit too rough and tough. And I think that's what it is. I think I think these these owners just... They, they're, they're thinking about this too much from a corporate level and they need to put themselves in the shoes of players. Like you see the way he coaches on NFL films and like sideline cams. And the dude is like, he's a hard ass, but you can see that he's like kind of an inspirational guy. And, you know, I, I, I do think it's important. You know, we obviously there's a, there's a issue with black coaches in the, in the league right now. There's not very many of them. There should be a lot more, especially when, you know, whatever, 75% of the players are black. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I just feel like he's one of those things where, yeah, maybe he's a little rough around the edges. Maybe he's not the best interview, but all, none of that should matter. I think at some point the guy has so much success that he has to get a shot somewhere. And it's one of those things where I think like this could be a guy that you're kind of sitting on a gold mine. If you only would give him a shot, especially when you pair him with a guy like Deshaun Watson, people say, 
oh, well, he's got Pat Mahomes. Okay, yeah, well, now he'll have Deshaun Watson. So what's the problem? Yeah, or he has Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and all the speed in the world, you know. Um, well, he used to have DeAndre Hopkins, but we screwed that up. Yeah, so. Dable would have been so good with Hopkins in Houston, too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like, that's the kind of thing about it. It's like, it's either that, Chris, or it's like, there's something about that we don't know while I sit here and stare at the Taco Bell sign in my backyard that is going on out there that's kind of weird um, that we don't really know about. My favorite thing that's happened in this head coaching search, though, was Matt Everfliss being like, no, I'm not uh, getting interviewed with Houston. And then no, uh-huh. nobody wanted to hire him. He's like, actually, I'll hire I'll interview with Houston. <laughs> Scrambling yeah. around. Like Pity little, interview. Yeah, like a little rat, you know, in the maze getting caught. But uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a job next year sending the day bowl, too. And, like, it should. this was a really good head coaching class, too. And um, I think both those guys will find a good one next year also. The Campbell thing was weird, but everybody else seems like they're set up really well. Yeah, that was way out of left field, the Campbell thing. Um, so we had some listener questions tonight. That's really all like that. I think we caught up on everything, and uh, we had some listener questions here. The first one's from at Houston Houdini, and he asked, why does this one hurt so differently? Dwayne Brown, uh, Brandon Brooks, Jadavion Clowney, DeAndre Hopkins, and all the other typical knucklehead Texans moves just don't seem to hit like this one. Is it more media-driven or just the unheard of circumstances of losing Watson so shortly after his deal? Yeah, I mean, this one's not hard to answer. Franchise quarterback, 25 years old, legit claim to the number two quarterback in the league, could actually be the number one quarterback in the league because he just had his best season. In a transitional year, in a difficult (laughs) year where he lost his head coach, he had his best season with all this turmoil around him. He and with a, a still a shoddy offensive line, and he still had his best season statistically. That guy could literally surpass Pat Mahomes. You know, I I, I feel I, I don't I wouldn't bet on that. But who cares if he doesn't surpass Pat Mahomes? He for sure. Like if you redraft, if the whole NFL did a redraft right now, you wiped off wipe the slate clean for all thirty-two teams, and they drafted. The number one pick would be Pat Mahomes. The number two pick would be Deshaun Watson. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Number three would be Josh Allen. <laughs> yes, yes, Josh <laughs> Allen. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree on that too. I think it's just like we finally have a franchise quarterback, and now we may not yeah. have a franchise quarterback. Uh, the as number quickly one as asset showed up. The yeah. number one asset in the NFL. I, I mean, I still can't get over how badly they botched his rookie contract. Like everything from the 2017 offseason on Ugh. was just absolutely just ridiculous. Like even at 18, they had all that cap space. So like, yeah, yeah we're and, not going to spend it. Nah, we're okay. Part, part of me worries that Casario, like who who I do think is a guy who's probably overdue to be a GM. Like I, I think, like we said, he's a in, in and of himself, he's a fine candidate. I do have this feeling that as a general manager, thinking of this with the brain of a general manager. Hmm, like Deshaun is great, but if we could trade him to be able to draft our next franchise quarterback who would be on his rookie deal and we get a bunch of draft picks as a GM, I feel like maybe that would be very appealing to Casario. Oh, no, you know what he would do? He'd be like, oh, I have one overall. Now I'm going to trade down and then I'm going to trade down oh, God, again. No. And now I have seven second round picks. No, 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 no. That's nope. what he's going to do if they do it, though. Yeah, take, you take, you take the best nope. quarterback. <laughs> he's Don't overthink it. He's like, yeah, we got Tom Brady in the sixth round New England. We can do that in Houston. <laughs> no. We saw a garden that you could do those two years in Jacksonville. We no. can find that. Once in a lifetime. Not ever going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> um, our next question is from Ask Smooth Grandma. How do you solve a problem like Cal McNair set to? How do you solve a problem like Maria from The Sound Music? I'm sure BFD will get immediately, but you young bucks may need some long explanation on this one. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I've seen The Sound of Music, but I've had a lot of drinks since then, so no. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can't, you can't solve a problem like Calvin Air. The, the only hope they have – see, here, here's where I was a few days ago, thinking that Jack Easterby was the only problem. If Jack Easterby is who he says he is and he sees all this turmoil, he will step down. So even if he does step down, yeah, I think he makes like, way too much money. Step down, right? Yeah, exactly. He won't step down, and I don't. I don't feel like there's any scenario at this point where Cal would fire him. So Easter would have to step down. So you can't fix that. The only other thing is to hope that somehow Janice McNair would convince her son to step down, and that's not going to happen. So there, I, I don't think the only hope that there yeah, is, is that's her big is, sweet boy he can't step down right exactly he's her big sweet goofy boy <laughs> oh, look at him <laughs> so i i just yeah I, I i hate to i hate to burst your bubble but that ain't happening there's no chance of an ownership shift slash change so the only hope we have is deshaun watson thinking you know what these fans have been waiting for me since warren moon so I'm going to stay here and weather the storm, which, you know, obviously, selfishly, that's what I want. But I do not expect slash kind of don't even want Deshaun to do that. I want that guy to succeed. I like him that much. Yeah, I wouldn't. I want him to stay. I think he's going to stay. But I don't. I mean, who knows? At all. Yeah. If you put a gun to my head and made me make a decision, I still think they find a way because it's just so egregiously stupid to even conceive of an NFL team screwing up having a young top franchise quarterback who could legitimately be the best quarterback in the league, if not number two in the league but Trevor Lawrence. for the next several years, but Sam Darnold, <laughs> but Justin Fields, so, the, the, the utter, the, the abject stupidity of screwing that up. And the, I like, he must know, he must know how much that will screw things up. If he does that, I just, I feel like they have to find a way. So, oh, and just real, real quick, I'll just make this really quick. Sean Pendergast, I think, had a great. Uh, he he made a tweet. He sent out a tweet the other day saying, "If it was him, and this is an untenable situation, instead of trading to Sean, he would just let him sit for the I'll full year, too. so that they get a high pick next year." Was he new sit till two thousand twenty four? Well, have him sit for a year and then trade him, and then you get a high draft pick next year because yeah, this team will be zero and sixteen slash two and fourteen without him at best. No, I mean, I don't know if you can, if you can do worse than zero sixteen, but this team definitely would have. No, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade him, even if he doesn't want to play. Be like, okay, fine, we're not paying you. You can sit there, and you'll sit there till two thousand twenty-four. Well, I mean, because like they don't have to, of, they don't have to trade him. Like, there's nothing that's forcing him to trade him. He has no well, right, options to go anywhere. But if he sits out until twenty twenty-four, then you get nothing for him. So that's if he's fine. willing to sit out a full year, then you have no choice but to trade him. Uh, that's fine. I would. I wouldn't trade him. At all. I'd be like, yeah, fine. No, you can sit out. Spite. <laughs> no, spot necessarily, but like you sign a contract here, you knew what you're getting into. We got this guy. We'll figure this out. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trim at all. I would just say, like, if you want to sit out, you can sit out. But you're gonna sit out I think until, if you, for four years. You know, if he sits out a full year, I I get the benefit of the high pick next year, and then I also I also trade him if he but if he's willing to sit out a full year. Even if they trade him, they're still gonna get a high pick next year. It doesn't change anything. I think if you're gonna trade him, you trade him now. It doesn't. They're gonna be a two win team next year, or four win team. Uh, you think they'll be a two win trade with him next they year? They have a no. bottom five defense. They would have no. Quarterback. I know. They have no offensive uh, well, line. They have no. Run, they have the worst run game in football last year. Their receivers are I pretty just, bad. I just can't imagine them being worse next year. I can't. I mean, they won four games uh, despite Watson being a top five quarterback. 
Oh, right, and they had, and the season was coached by Bill O'Brien and Romeo Cornell. Like, yeah. if they get Bienemy and Watson plays, like I just oh, if I Watson don't know, plays, like, it's not four. But if you trade Watson, like you're still gonna be a four-one team. Like you're gonna get high draft. Okay, I, that's what I'm okay, saying. I misunderstood. I thought you were. I thought you were saying they were in for a bad season next year, even if he does play. No, I think they could still. My win, bad. Like, my bad. I think they'd be a playoff competitive team. But like, even if you tra- like, if you're gonna trade Watson, you trade him now. Like trading him next year doesn't do anything at all for you. Like you're gonna be a bad team next year and get high draft pick next year anyways. But yeah, like I mean, if he doesn't want to play here, I would just not trade him. I'd be like, yeah, I guess you can go play in the XFL then. You know, <laughs> and, like he's here till 2024. He has zero trade leverage. You know. Yeah. Well. Uh- before Casario, I would not trust the Texans to be able to stick to that sort of game plan. But with Casario, I feel like they have an adult in the room now. You know, as long as he keeps the lay hands guy away from him, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like Nick Casario will will do. You know, once he, I, I I I guess there's no reason for me to do this other than the fact that he's obviously had success in New England. But I, I feel like he's a competent enough GM candidate that. If he, if he makes the decision that the situation with Deshaun is untenable, like I don't feel like he will pull the trigger too quickly. I feel like he will wait the appropriate amount of time to make sure that they don't screw this up with Deshaun. And then once he has the once he has enough data and he decides, okay, well, we've waited long enough. We've got to trade him. I I, I have no choice really but to put my trust in him to make that decision. I certainly wouldn't do that with Cal or Easterby or before him, Bill O'Brien. But with Casario, I feel like, you know, maybe he is smart enough to actually make the decision to win. It's appropriate to actually trade him. Yeah, I agree. And I think Casario can be a very good GM. I again, like the optics are bad, but like, I mean, there was also some talk too. We talked about um, with Nick and Tim, I mean, with uh, Tim and Rivers was that with Casario, like why maybe he, he shows up here like does like a complete like organizational structure and reviews or things like we can't have you here, Jack, like nobody wants you here. Like, I love you. You know, you're my wedding. You helped me through this and that. Like maybe that could be an option yeah, as well too. Whole... Like, it, I know it's, I know it seems like it doesn't really seem possible right now, but that's like the hope, you know, if, uh, if this culture gets fixed too, but the one, the one, the only way Cal steps down is if Rivers McCown is able to find a certain video of Cal or Jack doing a certain something or saying a certain something to oh. be able to force Cal to sell or force uh, that him to step down or Easterby to, to step down. That's I'm the only you, thing out there that could happen. I'm telling you, like, okay, again, I know I've talked about this before, but the Cal McNair music video, I put the tweet out the other day, if anyone, has, if anyone remembers the video that I've told you about before, which is just Cal and his wife and I think his daughter just – being goofy and silly like in their bedroom and like taking footage of them dancing and like their feet their bare feet which you know for me personally is disgusting just i don't i don't want to see anyone's bare feet so i i put that tweet out there and none of my 2700 or however many followers i have i don't know maybe they're mostly russian bots i have no idea i mean i maybe got i don't think i got a single reply to it so clearly cal Kyle, Kyle has done an amazing job of scrubbing that from the internet somehow because, man, I really tried so hard to find it after I told you about it. This is nowhere to be found, man. At some point, someone who was smart, probably someone from the PR department of the Texans, got a hold of Cal and said, oh, man, no, this <laughs> does not look good. You need to get this erased from the internet. And they went to one of those companies that like are reputationdefenders.com or whatever, and they scrubbed it from the internet. It is nowhere to be found. But I'm telling you, it was there, 
and it was embarrassing. It, there was nothing illegal about it. There's nothing quote unquote wrong with it. But man, the corniness, the corniness was amazing. It was so corny. It was borderline creepy, maybe even more than borderline creepy. It might have been over the top creepy, but it's just it's gone now. So there's nothing to back it up. I keep saying this. I swear it was there. It's now gone from the Internet. If Rivers can't find it, then it doesn't exist still anymore. Uh, oh, yeah, it's I, gone. I, every time like Rivers posts anything Jackie used to be related, it just, remi- it just reminds me of Matthew McConaughey in True Detective Season 1 when he's like in the Minnesota <laughs> unit. <laughs> you know, he's, yes. he's definitely the Yellow King. Uh, and the Matt, Houston Texans the, are Sarkoza. Matt, the, okay, again, like I'm not here to run down religion. That's not what I'm saying this for. But the clip of Easterby talking about when someone asked him what the greatest game he ever oh, saw yeah. was – and he goes into Jesus competing on the cross is one of the most bone chilling, creepiest videos I've ever seen in my entire life. And I just like to me like that, that kind of that's the kind of stuff that gives evangelical Christians a bad name. Like, I'm sorry, like fire me if you gotta. But that that just that was bone chilling to me. Yeah, I, I uh, that and daddy loves you lots are the two things that really got deep into my bones two weeks ago that I don't want to really think about. Yeah. Um, well, Casario has those, you know, it's not, it's not his fault the way he looks, but he's got, he's got those like Adam Gase, Matt Schaub on the sideline eyes that just pierce into your soul. Just, I mean, just that line too. Like, I, I mean, I don't know why you can't just say, I love y'all very much, but daddy, yeah, loves, daddy you. loves you. God, daddy loves you lots. It's just such a just I mean, weird, that, weird sentence. Daddy. Daddy does love you lots. So. Oh, I don't know. If, uh, um, whenever I have like a kid, I have birthday cards, I'm write down Daddy loves you lots um, <laughs> for the rest of my life. And so I'm really excited to be able to do that one day. So the next question. Parenting here, by Nick Casario. Yeah. The next question here is from at Big Fat Drunk. And he asked, let's say nothing happens with Watson. I still think he plays in 2021 and EB is hired. We know the Texans offensive line is a jumble mess of incompatible players. What do you think EB is going to implement specifically with this run game and what changes need to be made to the offensive line? Well, I mean, I think it's going to be, as far as the run game goes, it's going to be personnel dependent, first of all. I cannot imagine a guy who oversaw the Chiefs offense slash studied under Andy Reid is going to take personnel who, you know, this guy should be an outside runner. Well, let's run him inside. This guy should be an inside runner. Well, let's run him outside. No, I, I think I think if Eric Bieniemy's hired, he'll at least have the base. That's what's so sad about this. Like, there's some basic things that every franchise should know, that every personnel guy should know, that every coach should know. This guy is meant for this kind of scheme. Okay, so we put him in there and we try to take advantage of his abilities the best we can. We didn't have that with O'Brien. So at its basic level, I think Bieniemy will know how to apply the personnel he has. As far as the offensive line goes, like. I'm not meaning to be dismissive of the question, but how could you get worse than Mike Devlin? I mean, you have, you know, demonstrable data over the last several years of the guys who have come and gone from this team, the guys who stayed, who weren't developed, the guys who left to get better from the offensive line. I mean, I know Seth Payne is a big fan of the guy who was the OL coach in Philadelphia who has just done a lot with those guys up there. Yeah, he's so going, he's I would going love to Alabama now with Bill O'Brien. Oh, he is. Oh, he didn't get an NFL job. No, I think he's going to Alabama. I oh, think so. Incredible. I think he found another job, maybe not Alabama, but I think he found another job already. Yeah. I just, I just, 
it's sad to say, but I don't think there's anywhere to go but up as far as the running game. I mean, literally, what, the only team that was worse on the ground somehow were the Steelers. When I heard the Steelers had the worst running attack, I was like, did the Texans get excoriated from 2020? (laughs) Like, how could they possibly be the worst? Well, by DVOA, Houston was the worst. I think by yards per carry, only Pittsburgh. And their run game in Pittsburgh is off. Like, Ben Roethlisberger was their run game with his, like, three-yard passes. Um, that again, like got five yards or whatever. I think, I mean, like, look at Kansas' offensive line this year, which is another great example of the quarterback can make an offensive line. Eric uh-huh. Fisher at left tackle, as average as it gets. Nick Allegretti at left guard. This Italian meatball nobody's ever watched star entire year is there <laughs> and is like not very good, but Patrick Mahomes is so good against the pressure, it doesn't matter that much. Um, they have Austin Ryder at center. He was good last year, he's still pretty good. They have Andrew Wiley at right guard. Again, and these are mid-round picks. So these are expensive free agents. These are guys they drafted and developed. And then they have Mike Remmers at right tackle. The same Mike Remmers who was washed up in Carolina the year after Carolina Super Bowl run with Cam Newton. And he replaced uh, Mitchell Schwartz there. Still has the tribal tattoo. Still has the rubber shoulder uh, <laughs> elbow pads on. Like That's who their offensive line is. And again, with Watson, how good is he against pressure? Like You don't need a great offensive line. I don't think Eric Bambi is a... Like, his run game is just kind of like, we spread the field out. We have so much motion. We create rushing yards just because of that. And we have like good tackle-breaking running backs. You know, Darrell Williams is their best running back still for some ungodly reason. Um, and so, like for those, like again, I think just like getting a competent coach here, getting into a system where everything's so spread out, where you get a lot of seven-man boxes instead of nine-man, eight-man boxes, and like you're you know bashing oh, yeah. your head into those. I think that's where the change would take place. But it's not like the enemy does anything really special at the run game. It's having that speed option. It's mainly outside zone. Uh, that's what they run there, and they're like you know they're not a very good running team in Kansas city at all to begin with either. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have this tendency sometimes. And when I say we, I mean, in general NFL fans to overthink, overthink some of this stuff. I mean, football can be really complicated, but it can also be really simple. And Eric Bietamy knows that if you have Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback and you have a talented receiver core and an elite tight end, then your game plan is not to establish the run. So, when he's in Houston, if he is in Houston, and he's got Deshaun Watson as a quarterback and enough skill players that did what they did in 2020, even without DeAndre Hopkins, establish the run is not going to be the main component of the offense because the enemy is going to know what he has in an elite quarterback. So I, I feel like that's actually a pretty simple thing. You know, he's going to look at this offense and say, well, who's our best player? It's Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. What should we do? Well, we should throw the ball a lot. Yeah. I mean – I really do think it's that simple. And Bill O'Brien is just one of those guys who stuck for some reason in, you know, 1989. And I, I, to this day, I have no idea why. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And like, again, like he's art, he's helped work on a perfect postmodern NFL offense. And that's what matters. And it's the spread passing game. You're saying the run game for him. And again, like you can establish the run. You can have your run games of your play action passes like what Green Bay did against Los Angeles last week's perfection. It's not that, like, that's not the way you can't go about it, but you have to have a great offensive line. You have to have a great running back. You have to understand, like, how to set your shots. Like, there's ways that you can go about that, but the Texans with Bill Bryan uh, never understood that. Our next question is from at Carlos Flores, H O U, which I guess stands for Houston. Everybody knows and loves on the podcast. Uh, what are we rebranding to when the Texans are a burning <laughs> pile of rubble? <laughs> yes well i mean for me personally i don't know i'm just like 2020 was a great year of introspection for me personally not just as a football fan mm-hmm. but in life you know 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people it was it was a hard year for me too so 
I don't know. Like, I'm at the point now where if they're going to get rid of Deshaun Watson, you know, this this is how I responded to Carlos' tweet. I was just thinking about just selling everything I own, buying as many drugs as I can, and joining MAGA. <laughs> that's just, that's my plan. There we go. So you can rebrand it, whatever you want to. And if you still allow me on the show, I'll come on. Um, I know there was one one fantastic suggestion from somebody that uh, that I think I'll let you reveal that I think we just basically need to if Deshaun ends up being traded we just need to officially make the change to that to that name oh I love Battle Red Rubble I love it Battle Red Rubble so good I'm so happy about it Uh, I I love it I'm gonna name the title of the show that and I'll probably title every episode this season as Battle Red Rubble one yeah three four as you go through the weeks of the season basically like you know I know like I'm gonna about to lose 80% 80% of the audience, but you know, you watched and you loved Mandy, but right now, like my eternal mood scrolling Twitter is, is the, is the shot of Nicholas Cage in Mandy where he's bound and gagged watching his girlfriend be burned alive. Like that's, that's, that's what I look like. That's how I feel right now when I'm scrolling Twitter every single day, <laughs> waiting for the next Watson rap lyric, waiting for the next Schefter tweet waiting for the next John McClain tweet. I'm just, I'm just, that's just who I am right now. I wish, I wish the Sean Watson would start quoting like Freddie Gibbs instead of future. He's a much better rapper and, <laughs> and uh, a lot more violent as well too. Uh, and Freddie Gibbs is great because he's made the same album like 17 different times since 2009 and he keeps getting better at it somehow. Our next question is from at Eddie underscore son. If the Texans aren't scheduling any, any interviews, is it obvious the person they will hire still in the playoffs? How sweet would it be if Josh Allen knocked off KC and enemy is announced in the exact same night? I mean, that I think we're to the point where that would be great. Like, I, I can't say that Benny was enemy was necessarily my number one choice, but I think I got caught up a little bit in that whole idea of why aren't all these other superior franchises hiring him? So now that it looks like maybe they might be zeroed in on him, like I'm actually kind of happy about it. So it's like it's like the Texans the Texans could stumble and stupid their way into. Actually, what could be a couple of good hires in Casario and Bienemy if they could just fix their issue, you know, with uh, with Watson. Yeah, and if they could just like pull the gun and make that decision too. Our next question is from at Chilcut's Deep. Will one of you step up to the play, Mary Janice, take control of the team, and send Cal to his room and think about what he's done? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I will. I, I think um, I think I could offer a lot to Janice. I could. I could show her a world that she doesn't know. You know what I'm saying, Janice? I know you're listening. <laughs> so hit me up, you know, bowredblog.com. Scroll down, click Houston diehards, shoot me an email. I got you. There we go. Uh, let's uh, Maybe you can find her on eHarmony, but for rich people, if you can pay somebody, <laughs> get your uh, get your profile on that super rich version of eHarmony. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Uh, so our next question is from at Confused Lefty, and he asked me earlier this week, should I buy a David Johnson jersey for ironic purposes? <laughs> uh, wow. I mean, if you can get it on the cheap, uh, yeah, I don't mind. I don't know what Nick Casario is waiting for, man. Like, get in there and start cutting some of the fat. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm screwing that up. Maybe he's a, what do you, what do you call it, a June 10th cut or whatever it's called. But, like, I... I'm I'm patient. I'm seeing all these other teams cutting guys. You know, Mark Ingram got cut. You know, a couple of these other guys. Like, why not? Why hasn't he started making his his mark on the uh, his mark on the on the roster? I I can't actually think of another 31 in Texans history. Like, there was a time where I could tell you 
every single number on the roster, like what player it was, but I can't, I can't recall any old school Texans at number 31. <laughs> I'll have to go Bernard to Pollard, maybe? Maybe. I'll have to dig through and see all the number 31s in Texas history and let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and our, our last question's from, well, I think if you had again at Rock Jersey, I think David Johnson's very good. Um, I would. I also can't recommend highly enough. Whenever the spring, whenever the sun, whenever the sun comes out again, get yourself a collie worn shirt. See, it's gonna cost you forty dollars. Rip the sleeves off, and then you know, turn that uh, two pack. Uh, who? A Kahali Waring shirt. Oh, Kahali Waring. Oh, right, you right, have right. to You have to cut the sleeves off of it, though. <laughs> and then spend every day at your local YMCA and turn that two pack into an eight pack for just flexing. For summer 2021, you know. Yeah, he's a. Uh... He is a specimen. He is such a specimen. I just, I just love. I was following on Twitter where people were just basically adding you the entire game when Kahali Waring finally had a pass thrown to him and he dropped it. Yeah, and then whenever he <laughs> caught it, it was the same thing. You know, I was watching Cole Kemet in that Bears game, like after yeah, throughout the season too. I'm like, that's what I want Kahali Waring to be next year, and maybe that's possible. Who knows? Um, you know, I, I just like to me, it's a whole, it's another whole thing about the Bill O'Brien era. They drafted all these tight ends, right? All these tight ends over and over. They drafted so many tight ends. And who was their best one over the time? A guy they signed in free agency who was old and thought to be washed up in, um, oh, what's his name? Darren Fells. And I think Farrell Brown was probably their best tight end this year. And then yeah. there's a guy who they got for like $300,000 as like a practice squad tryout. Who ended up becoming I mean, these like, guys just had no idea what they were doing in the draft. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And like Warren, just I think he just didn't learn the playbook at all. And like he's an athletic specimen and – didn't know what like an A gap was because he was playing water polo, and so maybe next and like it takes tight in some time to become good in the NFL. So maybe next year he has 15 catches instead of three catches. Uh, yeah, but it, I mean, you know, you you've got to be something special to become the apple of Matt Weston's eye, though. So yeah, I'm mean, that San Diego State video still is riveting to me. I still <laughs> the can't video was it. great. Yes, you, you, I mean, you sold me. <laughs> I'm still sold. It's, there's still something there. You know, you can't you can't control what they do after they're drafted and. And it's kind of and like the Texans. One of their problems hasn't just been the draft picks or the lack of draft picks. It's been their inability to develop anybody past whatever they are. Um, and, and like I've heard things that they don't have a whole, whole lot of high level coaching during the Brian era, and maybe that changes this year. So our last question is from my good friend Chad, who sends me an email here and there sometimes, and he asked me what my favorite sports movie was. And so diehard Chris, Ooh. what's your favorite sports movie? Oh my God, uh, man! I wish I would have seen this before. Uh, I could have thought about it more. Okay, off the top of my head, off the top of my head, I gotta go with oh, so many. I gotta go with Necessary Roughness. I don't know if you've seen that one. I've Scott Bakula as the quarterback, Kathy Ireland, who was like a big deal supermodel in the '90s, was the kicker. <laughs> um, that that was a big one. I liked that one a lot. So. I don't know. I'm not like a huge fan of all the historically loved, like the beloved baseball movies, you know, like, um, like I like Bull Durham fine. Bull Durham's pretty good. And you know, the Costner football or the Costner baseball movies, like those are fine, but I don't know. I just really liked, I liked, um, I like necessary roughness. Oh, you know what? I will give, I will also say hot, uh, not hot shots. Um, uh, Oh man. The one, the baseball movie with Charlie Sheen, Oh, Major League. Major League. Oh yeah, Major League. It's got to be. It's got to be Major League. I love Major League. Those movie. That movie was so good. Yeah, uh, I like. I like Major League a lot too. I watched it like two summers ago for the first time after watching as a kid, not remembering it at all. Yeah, and uh, it's great. Because see, here's the thing about sports movies, right? 
like to me, they got the comedies have got to be the ones because every time they try to nail like the realism of sports, I think they fail miserably. Like you'll see a lot of people who say that any given Sunday nails the realism of the game, and then you watch any given Sunday. And it looks like a movie about football. I don't understand why people think that one looks so realistic. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's got to be one of the comics. I, I, I still don't think I've seen a movie that nails the realism of sports. So I just look at the comedies and Major League is number one for me. That makes sense. My favorite part of any given Sunday is the Dallas team has like the Illuminati eye in the end zone. And that end zone paint job is so sick. Um, I think Moneyball probably does the best job of like nailing like the realism of the league. Oh yeah, Moneyball was pretty good. You're right. You're right. Yeah, but it's like from the only thing about that movie that is absolutely stupid is they never mention Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson, which is the reason why the A's (laughs) are great that year, and they never mention that portion of it. And so they're like, oh yeah, we got a first baseman who likes to walk, and that's why we're good. But really, it's because they had this like trio of like incredible of three young pitchers, you know, who all went on to make like 170, like 400 million dollars each in their career. I mean, Matt, frankly, I don't want to hear baseball opinions because you're a Rangers fan. I so, barely anymore, dude. This new, I, mean, I the, hate the this re- new stadium. They have no good players. Uh-huh. Um, Joey Gallo is the only thing I like about him. I don't know. I, I don't like I, I'll never be able to love him as much as I did when they had that stadium outdoors. Like, I'll never Just be able to. Embrace, embrace the cheaters, man. Come on to the dark side. No. Just, come on. I got MVP baseball. Come five. on. Come I got, on. That's all I need. I got MVP all five still on the PlayStation. No, no, no. Come over here. Embrace uh, embrace the cheaters. No, I hate, I hate that indoor ballpark there, too. That air Matt. conditioner just drips on you the entire time. It's disgusting. Matt. It's like come being on. in a cave. Shh. Open the roof up. You, and then you come over to every you just game. come over here. And then my arms, my arms are open. My arms are open. I can't do it with the closed roof. I can't. Come um, on, come over here. Give me a big hug. Come on. But my favorite sports movie <laughs> is Uncut. Is Uncut Gems. That's my favorite one. Oh come on, that's a sports betting movie. Not a it's sports a sports movie. movie. It's a no, sports it's movie. not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. It's like the best. It's the best movie I've seen about like. It's being, not a sports being movie. A fan. It's a sports betting movie. Oh, I love it. I, that's my no, favorite no. Sports I'm movie. not saying it's not good. It's just not a sports movie. Come, come on. Now. It's just, it's my favorite sports movie. <sighs> okay, this is like this is creeping into is Die Hard a Christmas movie territory? And I I'm think not, it's a, I'm it not... is a Christmas movie. Oh my God, no, we are not starting. We're almost two hours into this show. Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas not, movie. It's not a Christmas movie. It is a movie that takes place during Christmas. That's a Christmas movie. Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, that's a God, Christmas movie. No. The theme of the movie is not Christmas. Yeah, it is. It's about it's an it's action. About, it's about it's getting an your movie that has, that happens to take place during Christmas. The whole no, point of the movie no. is about uh, getting your family back together and join the holidays. Oh my god, that's what the movie's about. That so eyes wide shut. My, same thing. I getting your family my back together. To you to join the Astros, I rescind it. <laughs> that's fine. Um, well, that's our show for tonight. This is way too long, <laughs> but uh, we probably will check back in in two weeks. I once think more, you meant way too good. Way too good. Way too long. Um, that's what they always say. But we'll probably be back in like two weeks to talk about the Houston Texans specifically as the rumors keep going, as they never cease to end. And then I guess once the Texans actually hire a head coach, we'll have to do an emergency Texas head coach podcast. But Yeah, we'll have to do a movie, a, a, a movies episode at some point too. We got the off season. So yeah, we got for a lot the of summer we'll have still. to. We'll have to for the sure, summer for sure. sure. We'll, uh, we'll think of something. You need to watch Old Boy. You still need to watch Old Boy. Yes. You haven't watched Old Boy. Yes, for sure. Uh, we'll do that. But until next everyone, time. T- everyone send Matt. On Twitter, tell him that he needs to watch Old Boy. I'm gonna watch it. Maybe this Friday I'll watch it. My last, okay. my okay. last night, my 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 cute little house. Maybe it's not, that would be the last thing I watch here. 
Uh, but All we'll right. have a AFC, we'll have a conference championship preview podcast on Thursday. And until then, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Albert Radio. Name for me on site, Diehard Chris. Thanks, everybody. I'm sorry. I feel like I yelled the entire episode, but thanks for listening anyway. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.